Hi, and welcome to Focus on Women Season 6. We have had such amazing support this past year and are super excited to share some new things with all of you. For one, we now have an advisory board. So please go to focusonwomen.org and check out our new About page. We will also be posting some great interviews of the board members, and those should be on our Instagram hopefully by this fall. So thanks for all your support, and please remember to subscribe to iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review for the podcast as well. Next up, we are running another call for photographers and illustrators who are interested in partaking in the Artist Collective Initiative. If you have any great images showing women or depicting the empowerment of women that we could license from you, we're interested. And we will then make those available on tote bags, t-shirts, stickers, art prints, and more. 25% of the proceeds will go towards the cost of producing our fabulous podcast, and the remaining will go into your pocket. So please reach out and let us know. Thanks for tuning in. This episode's sponsor is the fabulous Amy V. Cooper. Amy is a photography consultant and personal coach with more than 20 years of experience in the photo industry. She has worked as a photo rep, an art buyer in the advertising industry, and as a photo editor for entertainment and editorial brands. Amy offers one-on-one coaching, consulting, portfolio reviews, and is offering Focus on Women listeners 25% off her highly rated commercial photography marketing masterclass in July. Just use this code, Focus on Women, in all caps. And you can find out more information at amyvcooper.com or follow Amy on Instagram at amyvcooper. Today's guest is Sue Tallon. She is an amazingly talented commercial photographer specializing in food, beauty, pharma, and product. She's based in the Bay Area, and I feel a legend in our industry and for sure within the food photography arena. I'm honored to have her here as her knowledge and experience is so vast, and I feel like we can learn a ton from her. So thank you so much, Sue, for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. That's quite the intro. I'm not sure I'm going to live up to that. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I don't know if Shelly will agree because I definitely you know, I've been in the business a long time and started at Williams-Sonoma so many years ago, right out of college. I feel like with food, especially your name was, you know, you were a really big shooter in those days um, and still are and have created quite a amazing portfolio. I was on your website this morning, perusing it. It's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. So um, we're here to learn about you and I'd love to start um, at the beginning, because I really don't know where you grew up and where you went to school and did you study photography? So can you take us back a little bit? Sure. Um, uh, well, my family traveled around a lot when I was younger and I was born in Argentina. Um, my family's Anglo-Argentine and we uh, eventually came to the States in the early 70s. Um, so I uh, have spent most of my life here in California and um you know, just have my early life in the Inland Valley, which is east of LA. And then I went to, I got my prerequisites and uh, I, I went to Brooks in Santa Barbara, um, which is no longer there, but it was an international school of photography. It was a private school. Yeah. Um, and people from all over the world uh, went there. And so I... Uh, so why I, did you pick to go to Brooks? If I can interrupt for a half a second. You know, I'm 
to be honest with you, I, I think part of the reason was my dad had always been an amateur photographer. You know, he always had his makeshift dark rooms and stuff wherever we went. And I think it was kind of a dream of his that he wanted <laughs> to do that. Um, in reality, I probably should have picked a place more like art center in Pasadena. Hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, Brooks was a little bit more conservative. It was a little bit more conventional, I think, relative to a place like Art Center. But the bottom line, and it was it was a highly technical school, which is really what, you know, you needed to get under your belt. And I got a really good technical base there. So it wasn't because it was in Santa Barbara and the scenery is really pretty. <laughs> well, that might have had something to do with it. <laughs> That's yeah, I mean, I, I was just thinking beach versus Pasadena, which is like stuck in landlock, right? I right. Mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was it was a great place to go to school for sure. Yeah, I was at Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara. It was oh, oh yeah, that definitely. was definitely definitely chosen. Yeah, as was Shelly. And I was I definitely oh, chose it for the beach for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great spot for sure. Yeah, I am. Um, uh, when I was at Santa Barbara, Brooks was still there down the road. And uh, one of the ladies I worked with at Santa Barbara actually went to go work at Brooks and then was there when it kind of all fell apart and they had to close, um, unfortunately. So anyway, yeah. I was just kind of curious how you picked that art school over others. So thanks for that yeah. little bit of insight. Yeah, well, I mean, it was also beautiful campuses. You know, there were three major campuses and they had a great reputation and it was a beautiful spot. So yeah, what's not to love about it? And did yeah. you get out what you thought you would from that education? Um, I got out more than I thought I would in terms of the technical part of it, but not in terms of the art part of it. I was, um, my background was really in art. I had you know, I, since I was a kid, I was always drawing and painting. I was always taking art classes all through my elementary school. And that was a big focus for me personally. And Brooks was not really focused in that area. They were really more focused in, you know, technical education. Hmm. So I think that's why I thought, you know, ultimately when it was all said and done that art center might've been, you know, a better fit for me, but um, you know, so did you find ways to infuse that after leaving school, kind of that tangible art? Oh, well, I, I did it even when I was in school. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, what you do always comes through no matter what. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so when, what happened after Brooks? Right. What happened after Brooks? Um, yes. I, um, I left LA and I, I left Santa Barbara and I went to LA cause it was the closest biggest city. And it was where I thought, okay, I need to go, you know, somewhere, um, that has, uh, you know, a, a, a lot going on and, um, LA was close and I had a friend that lived there. So, uh, I went there and I lived with my friend's mother in Tarzana nice. <laughs> when I first moved there. So I got a real like dive into the valley, the valley. <laughs> and that whole scene. So yeah, I went there. Cool. And did you just take off? Did you just immediately continue to shoot? Like, were you working as an assistant? What did you do for? I went into assisting. I, I was like 19 and I was so not prepared to be, you know, shooting on my own or any of that. I, you know, it was like, I think young people evolve a lot faster now 
than they did in those days. Um, that's my observation. But, you know, at 19, I was just like, so not ready to be even thinking about like starting my own business and even having the confidence to go out and try to get work. So what I did do was I took my portfolio around, which is what you did in those days, um, and went to see a bunch of different photographers who were doing a bunch of different work and just tried to get into assisting, which is what I did. And uh, um, I did that for, I want to say like three or four years, just assisted a lot of different people, you know, like still life, car shooters, celebrity shooters, um, you know, a lot of different stuff. So I got a good cross section of experience doing that. So did that help you figure out, like, I like this type of work, but I don't necessarily like that type of work? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And and how did you find food? I worked for a food photographer for a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, to be honest, I think initially when I started shooting, I was just going to be a studio still life shooter because I, I think a lot of that stuff has to do with personality, you know, the choices that that people make along those lines. I mean, I'm, I'm more of an introvert internal. I'm more meticulous. I like to build. So for me, the idea of having a space that I can have all my tools and, you know, and, and, and work at something and not interact with people (laughs) was really more me, you know, I was super shy and not great socially. So, you know, that kind of work just made sense for me. And, um, you know, like I wasn't going to be, not that things were called lifestyle in those days. Um, I wasn't going to be like a person that did portraits or even though I, I think I could have been pretty good at it, but I, you know, it was just too much social interaction for me in those days. So um, I think I, initially I wasn't really shooting food when I first started shooting. I was just doing a lot of um, catalog work. And, And I think I got into food because I had a familiarity with it, having worked with this food shooter. And, um, this is pre digital. It was cheap to shoot because it was, it was inexpensive to go buy food things and to shoot them. You know, when you were paying for Polaroid and processing a film and buying a film and all of that is very expensive to test. Right. And you didn't need a makeup artist or clothing stylist nope. or <laughs> I didn't need to like interact with people <laughs> to yeah. create, you know, a photo shoot, which was just like, I was just like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I can go do it, you know, at my own pace and, you know, without the pressure of feeling like, you know, I, I, I have to make sure everyone's, you know, <laughs> yeah. it just wasn't really something I was good at. So So I know that you worked at the Ace Gallery for some time in L.A., which kind of Mm -hmm. changed the projection of your course of your career. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, you went from assisting and then this job happened? Yeah. Do you know Ace Gallery? Well, uh, I've done some digging on you, Sue. Oh, okay. (laughs) I've read a few interviews. Okay. Well, Ace, yeah, Ace Gallery was definitely very influential for me. Um, It it was a 30,000 square foot um, galleries, one of the biggest in, if not the biggest in the country at the time, maybe still, if it's still around, but, um, I, uh, I was shooting other people's artwork when I first started shooting because I was involved in the art community in LA. So some of the initial first work that I started doing as a photographer was basically copying, 
you know, artwork for people, but it wasn't just like paintings. A lot of times it was kinetic works and things like that, which were more complicated to shoot. So I, I, I think at some point I was like, okay, I need to tr start transitioning out of assisting into my own shooting, but I didn't feel confident enough. And I didn't feel um, like I was ready to like, you know, figure out the whole studio thing. And I found a job listed in the paper for an in-house photographer <clears throat> at this gallery. And I went and I applied for the job and I got it. And I, I worked there, I want to say for, I want to say three years. And it was hugely influential for me. I was just exposed to the most amazing artists and the most amazing work. And um, I think being around the quality of that contemporary artwork all day long for so many years really impacted me and really um, kind of fine-tuned my aesthetic. And, and, and I could start to see like what I responded to and what made sense to me and, and all that sort of stuff. And um, so, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, it was complicated too, because, um, you know, there were times when I, I didn't get paid because the gallery didn't have any money. And I mean, it was just like a really crazy scene and there was all kinds of stuff. If you've done some digging, I've, I've said some things about the director of the gallery who was yeah, I quite think the word shady came up in a couple <laughs> of was quite well known in the art world. And he was a fascinating character and I'm, and I actually had a, a really good relationship with him and he kind of taught me a lot, you know, about shooting art. And so anyway, yeah, it, it, to answer your question, yeah, definitely influential in how I began to really see objects as, you know, things that, that, that embodied a certain kind of energy in it, and there was a way that I was going to see them and think about them. Yeah. yeah, I find it really fascinating um, because mm -hmm. of how your still life comes together today. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of blends that fine art, contemporary art with commercial art. Mm -hmm. um, so it's neat to see like you went to this fairly like technical school to learn like the chops of photography and then go back to kind of the roots of your love and passion for, you know, tangible fine art. Mm -hmm. Um, and then see like fast forward all these years and then kind of see it all come together. It's kind of that nice, like when I look back, like, yeah, it all makes sense now. But at the time, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's funny because being around artists themselves, when I worked at the gallery, I could see because I got to know them personally, how much they were reflected in the work they did. You know, I think you really you you can't help but be reflected in the work that you do. And when I look back over the course of my life from the time I was just a, a little kid, I mean, I was so tuned in to, you know, just looking at things and picking up things off the ground. And just, I was so focused and so interested. And um, I think I've said this before, but I feel like I've just had the extremely great fortune of living a life that was really true to who I was personally, you know, that my work, um, came to be really out of, out of who I was. So how did the business grow out of the gallery? Because like you said, when you came out of art school, you were like, I don't want to start my own business, but now you're kind of like going yeah. in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. It reached a point where I was like, I'm not going to be doing this, you know, working as a photographer in a gallery forever. Um, so I, uh, my, my next step out of there, because of course I needed to continue to make money 
was to start shooting for museums and stuff like that. So I, I continue to do that kind of work, but on a freelance basis. And um, uh, around the time of the riots in LA, the Rodney King events and whatnot, I realized I didn't want to spend my life in LA. You know, it's like, I need to get out of here. And I had a good friend that lived up here in the Bay Area. And I had always loved it. And I just thought I have to get out of LA now because I need to start, you know, wherever you go regionally, especially in those days, it's like, you need to begin again. Right. So um, it was really a transition from LA to the Bay Area. When I got to the Bay Area, I was like, I got to find some work. And, and again, it wasn't like I was going to jump into a studio situation. I just wasn't, it wasn't really something I was ready for. So I found some work <clears throat> for a marketing group that a lot of people actually worked, photographers worked for a bit. It was called Hagen Marketing. Yeah. And uh, it was like a chop shop for grinding out catalog work. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. So, do you? Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. Everyone worked at Hagen. Yeah. And they they were in Mill Valley. Mm -hmm. And... Um, they had their own studios and they just grinded out catalogs and I just started doing that. And, and that was a really good experience for me. The pay was terrible. It was all work for hire. And for those of you who don't really know what that means, it means that you are an employee. Everything that you create belongs to the, you know, the people you're working for and you don't make very much money at all. Right. Um, so uh, anyway, but the good part was that um, you did a lot of shooting of a lot of different stuff. Um, so I got, you know, it was just a lot of problem solving, which is a huge part of photography uh, and just learning how to do a lot of, you know, work under pressure really fast. And so that was really good for me. Just like boom, 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 you know, working and trying to do good work and interacting with art directors and, um, you know, doing that day after day after day. So that really must have pushed you as, as more of an introvert, more of a quiet person, being in this kind of very fast paced environment where I imagine there's a lot more people around. Yeah. Um, yeah, it did. You must it was exhausted at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, but I was a lot younger then. <laughs> so I'm more exhausted at the end of the day now than I was then. <laughs> what kinds of things did you pick up from working there that you kind of still see bits and pieces of it in your kind of how you think about working with crew and studio today? I think um, my holistic approach, um, which is looking at the entire project and working through in my mind before it ever starts. Um, I think it's an organizational thing, you know, for me, uh, like I'll just, if there's some complex project that comes up for me, I wake up in the middle of the night and I do my best thinking, you know, of problem solving in advance. So um, I think that, you know, made me a really efficient, organized shooter and, and confident, you know, when I, more confident than I had been. Yeah. Yeah. You've taken on some very complicated shoots. 
Um, yeah. I've, I've watched some behind the scenes that. videos. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff is actually my favorite. I have kind of an analytical organizing engineering mind, you know, like how to problem solve is really fun for me. So solutions to how to do shoots. Um, I really enjoy that. Do you have one in particular that kind of reigns supreme as like the most complicated or something that you were, you know, maybe problem solving, even though you thought maybe you figured everything out and then on set, you were like, oh no, we've got to figure these other seven things out. That never happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious. I am so like, you know, like... Because I think I just, I, I feel really relaxed and comfortable, but I think it's because I really think through everything and I don't shoot a lot. So I think it gives me time to really like scrutinize things so that I don't run into a problem on set because mm-hmm. some of these shoots are, you know, big and there's a lot of people and there's a lot of money involved. And, you know, it's the kind of work where you, you kind of can't make a mistake, you know? Um, so anyway, I don't know. I think, one fair, not well, fairly recent was um, something that sounded really simple initially, but once I started thinking about it, was how are we going to do it? it? Was a video thing where we had to fly over a skillet, basically. So the camera had to start by looking directly across a skillet and then come over the top the whole time filming, looking straight down, and then someone comes in and takes a lid off. And it sounds easy, but when you begin to think about it, um, it's really not. It's pretty complicated. And so I gave a lot of thought, and I kind of designed a rig in my mind, and then um, talked to Jason Mitchell of Ransom and Mitchell, who I work with a lot around video stuff, and with the Grip crew, and they built this huge thing that pivoted on an axis um, that the camera flew over, you know, so lighting and everything has to travel. Right. um, Anyway, it was, it was super fun, super interesting. And it was just this huge rig and the grip guys were like, Oh, we got to patent this thing. It's amazing. And (laughs) well, cause it was like an engineering, it ended up being an engineering problem more than a photography problem. Yeah. Yeah. And it was super fun. And I mean, and it's funny because those things are like, it, it boils down to like two or three seconds of video and it's done. So right. yeah, I remember hours. watching, I remember watching your, there was a behind the scenes video that was um, on your social at one point And it was, I think it was for like Chinese fast food. And it was this complicated, like food flying and pans moving. And you had to build this crazy rig. Um, and that, there that might have been it. Yeah. And I remember there was like, two levels like people stood on two levels to move things and it was very elaborate (laughs) yeah yeah that's super fun Uh, that's awesome so talk to us about coming to the bay area and working at hagen how long were you at hagen and then where did you go from there i think i was there for maybe three years ish something like that and um, doing some of my own work here and there. And uh, what did I do after that? I think I, I think I just started shooting. I found a, a small studio that I shared at Pier 70, 
in the city, which is actually really, it's in Dogpatch. So really close to where my studios ended up being in the American Industrial Center. Okay. But it was this whole funky place. Um, and I just started going out with my portfolio um, looking for work, which was funny because my portfolio in those days, I mean, it was just transparencies, you know, right. <laughs> pre-digital. Uh, so you would have your little four by five transparencies mounted and you'd take your little box of images and art directors would hold them up to the light kind of thing. So um, I just started doing that and, and getting some smaller shoots and stuff. And at that point, were you focused on food mostly or still doing the product as well? It was both. Uh, and I'm trying to remember the progression. Oh, and then um, I moved into a shared studio situation in Berkeley hmm. and it was a big space. And uh, having had um, a lot of experience in the catalog part of things, Discovery Channel was also located, their offices were in Berkeley. And I got together with one of my studio partners and we approached Discovery Channel together as a studio that could produce their catalog work. And they were doing a lot of it in those days. And also a lot of, they had um, um, retail stores and they had a lot of imagery up in their retail stores. So we approached them and we got that them as a client so we started doing several catalogs per year and that was my the beginning of of me shooting and starting to make some money you know so that i could start building and i did that for a few years and then discovery channel moved to the east coast and eventually kind of evaporated i think i don't, I don't even know if they're around anymore but um and it was actually at that point that I almost left the business. Hmm. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Because well, really? that because that I, went away? Well, that was part of it. You know, it was the classic mistake of putting all your eggs in one basket. It took, it consumed so much of our time, the shooting that, and it was, you know, I was making, you know, decent money and it was like, well, I don't really need to be, you know, pushing for other stuff. There isn't a lot of time here to be doing other stuff. And when they evaporated, it was like, well, there goes my income. But, but more than that, it was that I didn't feel like I was doing my own work. I was doing a lot of work that I didn't particularly like, you know, and it didn't, it had nothing to do with who I was or what I could bring to a photo shoot. So um, you know, I was like, well, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. Is it smart for me to keep doing this? Hmm. But, um, I also felt like I, I think that there was so much more in me that I hadn't tapped into yet. Like I knew that. And I, and I, so I, I actually went into the studio and I decided I was going to take like a month or whatever. And I was just going to do a bunch of shooting on my own and not worry about, you know, whether it was going to be viable which was always a problem for me because I was producing work that people would look at and say, wow, this is, this is really great, but I don't know what I can hire you for. Um, so I always had a hard time trying to figure out how to do work that was appealing to me, but was also viable commercially. 
that, mm-hmm. that people could look at and say, okay, well, you know, we want to hire you to do this. So, um, so I decided that I was just going to shoot and not worry about that. I was just going to like, whatever I felt like doing, I was just going to do and not edit myself and not say, no, don't do this. And, um, and so I came up with a bunch of work and, um, I guess I, I must've been putting it out there somehow. And I met Matt Norman Maslow at some probably APA event or something. And I thought that he was representing some of the best photographers in the city at the time, all people I really respected. And I asked him if he would be willing to look at my work. And he said, yeah. So I went and saw him, he looked at it and he was really positive about it. And that was the first time I sort of felt like I got any feedback about that work that was personal for me, that was positive. And I thought, Oh, that's interesting. And he said, well, you know, come back in a year and let's chat. And, and I did, and, and he took me on. And I think that's the point at which, um, I really began to, to, to go in my direction, you know, where I had somebody representing me. I felt like I was, like I was totally riding the coattails of credibility because he was representing some really great photographers. <laughs> so I was like, Ooh, you know, maybe I can just kind of like sneak in behind these people. And um, so, yeah, so he started getting me advertising work and stuff and, and things just kind of progressed naturally from there for me. And did you start to see that the assignments more aligned with the type of work you wanted to create? Um, sometimes. I think, um, I, I can't say that that's ever been 100% true. I think when you're doing commercial work, for my in my experience, um, I think things are definitely changing now. There's a lot more room for creativity now than there was it felt like for me during a certain period of time there. Um, when you do advertising, it's really a lot of execution. Like the the process, at least in the still life world, has been very thoroughly vetted, in, you know, through agencies and clients and all that sort of thing. So by the time it gets to you, you know, you're basically executing something, yeah. you know, and yeah, you idea. can bring your work. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're hiring you for what you can bring, you know, your look or your, aesthetic or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, my experience has been that there wasn't a ton of room for like, oh, let's do this or let's do that. You know, it's all, it's pretty much like, here's what we're going to do, you know, and then during the process of, you know, pre-production meetings and whatever, you're all discussing, you know, that that's when I can say, well, you know, I think this would be a really good approach to that. And what if we did this and, you know, that sort of thing, but there isn't like, you know, it's not like the days of Avedon where, you know, Vogue would hire him and he would just be like, I'm just going to do this, you know, and obviously for a lot of people, but um, it wasn't super my experience that that happened a lot for me. Right, right. I wanted to give a shout out today to my good friend and colleague, Betsy Davison and her company, Space for Arts. Space for Arts is a global B2B marketplace for professional production spaces, i.e. studios. 
Its platform presents a vetted inventory of professional production spaces with robust search tools, optimized for the needs of production professionals, supported by communication alerts, which assist in the rapid decision cycles of production. Space for Arts offers a management solution which mirrors entrenched practices, simplifies and automates them, thus providing a powerful time-saving resource to both studio owners and production professionals. By addressing the significant pain points for both sides of the market, Space for Arts will capture a high percentage of available bookings, becoming the industry's default resource for booking and managing production spaces. Think of it as an open table meets Airbnb meets CRM software. It's the perfect solution for professional production space integration. So is there someone that stands out, Sue, as a mentor for you? Like someone along the way that really, besides Norm, it sounds like Norman might have been that for you, but um, who are some of the people, let's even go back to who are some of those people that inspired you, who kept you going like, oh, th this is awesome and I want to be in this world still? Um, well, there are just some really good creative people when I got to the Bay Area, you know, people that captured my attention, you know, were Michelle Clement, Christiana Seppas, um, Deborah Jones. Um, sure. uh, I don't know, people that just were just very talented, you know, like their work was just, I thought, beautiful. Um, so, yeah, I think people like that, that, that I felt like were, were really bringing a lot of themselves to what they were doing and that it was just really, you know, high quality, beautiful work. Yeah. Yeah. And what's funny is you just named three female photographers, right? Mm -hmm. In an era when, you know, when here we are talking about women creatives and that we feel like we're in a really male dominated industry, Yet in those days, you know, I remember it that way too. There were a lot of female photographers who were doing really great work. Mm -hmm. um, and there still are, but well, did, yeah, it's funny. I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, okay. Yeah, I was just gonna say, did you did you feel any challenge for being a female photographer in those days? Or was it well, like start, starting out uh, yeah. when I started out in the early 80s, it was easily 90% men. It was all guys all the time. <laughs> it was very much, guys world. but for some reason, everything I do seems to be, you know, dominated by, you know, guys mostly, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I, it's funny that you say male dominated world now, because I feel like now it's very 50, 50. When I work on projects, most of the people I work with are women, you know, creative directors, art directors, producers. I feel like there's a ton of women in this industry now and, and it's great. And now I don't feel, I don't feel that it has any impact for me personally at this yeah. point in my career. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, I yeah. I wonder if maybe that has to do with what you're shooting. Um, yeah, good maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause like if you're shooting cars, yeah, if you're probably shooting not cars, the case, yeah. right. 
Yeah. But, but I have to say, I think, you know, if you're good at anything and you're, you know, pleasant enough to work with, it doesn't, I don't, I don't know that it matters. That's just my observation that may not be true for other people, for other women. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's good to hear. I mean, you're, I don't know. I I think, yeah, I think, um, I think there's definitely more women out there shooting, Mm -hmm. but I still do feel at least on the advertising part, I really, and maybe it is because I represent some people who are female outdoor shooters, you know, like outdoor active shooters. Oh, like really, what? yeah, that we're really yeah. up against the same um, old yep. white male person shooting that work. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that in that particular genre. Yeah. Yeah. I think in food, probably not so much. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So well, I also think that a bigger difference is that we get to know the people behind the creation a lot more now than ever before. Yeah. So, you know, when I was growing up, you know, there was no internet, there was no nothing. You just saw these images in magazines and look, Mm -hmm. you know, like I didn't really know what a byline was. And even if I saw the byline, I'm like, I don't know who that is. And it didn't really impact me. Yeah. Um, And I grew up with an art mom. And so I think, you know, you would see TV shows and stuff that's created. You never really thought about the people at the end. And it wasn't until, you know, my husband got into film that we really paid attention to the credits. Yeah. In who's doing the work and yeah, um, who's who's yeah, yeah, and I think we're in a at least the last ten, maybe even a little bit longer. You know, we're kind of in this movement of who is the maker, mm-hmm. who is the person behind the craft. Let's really celebrate the person behind the the yeah. finished product. Yeah. So I so I think there is something to be said about the celebration of the art that's being created today, um, even just outside of traditional art yeah yeah I think that's an advantage and I think it's funny you're you're so young it's it it surprises me that you you say you grew up without the internet but um I I think it would be hard for young people today to really understand what it was like prior to having a computer (laughs) I mean there was no way that you saw anybody else's work you just didn't see it you know, unless you look you in your, were, you know, Funkin' Wagnall, as my dad would say. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, there was something called the black book in those days, right. which is like workbook and stuff like that. Right. So right. that's how you saw what other people were doing. But it was one or two pictures. Nowadays, you can get on people's websites and and see massive amounts of pictures, you know. So there's a lot of like, I think it's harder to to maintain a uniqueness now because when something good comes up you know it's like oh I'm gonna do that you know kind of thing so but at the same time I feel like like the work evolves really quickly now which I think is so great um and there's a lot of good work out there now too so I'm really curious about the transition for you from kind of you know traditional format prints you know, shooting on your four by five to the digital era, you know, did you embrace that? Did you not embrace that? No, I embraced it. You had to embrace it. There was no like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to keep doing film. Uh, Well, I was, I was working at Hagen during that time and, and they started, you know, getting the very first, you know, like 12 megapixel 
digital cameras, which were attached, there were backs that attached to the four by five view camera, uh, really slow. Oh, you had to let them rest and cool down at a certain time. <laughs> anyway, um, it was a huge transition. You know, there was just a lot, a lot, a lot of, um, you know, whenever some new technology comes in, there's a lot of working out of a lot of stuff. You know, there was, ugh, I can't, just on and on and on. It was, there was a huge learning curve um, in every aspect. And that went on for years. Um, and wouldn't that be true with like Adobe, you know, with like when Photoshop came out and people can oh, yeah. now really manipulate the back end? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I, I saw someone use Photoshop, I was completely blown away. <laughs> I was like, wow. You know, because I, I was a person that loved to print. I was in the darkroom a lot. And so, you know, creating imagery manually with you know, film and enlarger and light and chemistry is very, very analog. <laughs> it's very, you know, and to, to have everything become electronic and to see the kinds of things that you could do, like, boom, that there was no way you could ever do before or that would take you days to do before was like amazing. And it was became a lot cheaper to test. And you, you know, because you weren't buying you know, $100 worth of Polaroid and $200 worth of film processing. When you're not making a lot of money, that's a lot of money to be spending trying to create work. So, yeah, it was huge, huge. And I love it. I, I love digital. I love Photoshop. I I don't know that I could go back into a darkroom at this point in my life. I think I, I mean, I, did, I took a class on um, platinum printing, which was super fun and great. And I really enjoyed that. But like in terms of going back to having a dark room at this point in my life, I don't think I would. It's a lot to maintain. <laughs> I mean, yeah. outside yeah. of just doing the craft, right? Um, right. I, and, and, and it's so much easier now. The, the opportunities to do the kinds of imagery or, or, you know, to think of something and want to create it is, is so accessible through, you know, digital technology that um, you know, I, I understand why people love, you know, chemistry and darkroom and stuff for sure. It's a very tactile experience and there's a kind of magic to that whole process that, you know, when it, when it enters the electronic world feels less magical to me. But, um, so the, the, the kind of magical part of photography is for me, um, really connected to the more analog world. So I, I can see why people love that still, or even why younger people would want to experience that. But I would be surprised if they, many of them had the patience for it because I mean, there's, a, there's tons more photographers now than there ever were because it's so much easier. It was hard yeah. <laughs> to do. In yeah. The old yeah. And you, and you right. didn't know if you got the shot until you developed it. Right. Exactly. It was Polaroid, pulling all those Polaroids and waiting for the Polaroids. It's like, and then not not really knowing what you had on film, right? You know? And you, you had to wait. You went to, and you had to wait three hours, and, unless you rushed it, and it was an hour and a half. Right. But that was twice as expensive. Yeah. You know? So um, yeah. And now I mean, we get it like this. Now we get it like this, and and I think that we've become so you know 
our brains are really have become so um, tuned to like just very quick responses, you know, looking yeah. through Instagram and that, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely feel the impact of the digital world on my brain. <laughs> it's not positive, but um, <laughs> it also could be just aging. <laughs> but I think there's something about, you know, we've kind of, like you said, there's a little bit lost in the magic of the tangible. And I think yeah, people don't enjoy sure. the magic of post anymore, right? It's all about like, oh, I can create a preset and I can get it dialed in like quickly. And it's all about speed. Instead of yeah. sometimes we lose a little bit of that artistry. Right. For sure. Um, and definitely the consideration and the thought process and the, the nuance of like thinking about something and, you know, letting it work through you and all of that. So. Right. so I'd love to go back and actually dig into that a little bit more, Sue, because I think you touched on that in the beginning, which is that, you know, you spend a lot of time in that pre-production mindset of figuring out all the if, buts, you know, fail potential points, um, which I think is kind of the magic that you bring now. Like that's the magic moment for you before you ever hit the shutter. Um, so talk about kind of where you're at now in your career after leaving the dog patch and coming back to the good old East Bay, because I'm on the East Bay too. I'm in West Oakland. So I am in the hood, <laughs> which has been an interesting thing for me. Um, I have a live workspace. So I, I have a studio downstairs, which is uh, not even a fraction the size of what I had, but I'll be 60 this year. So I'm, you know, I'm transitioning into next chapter. And um, with COVID, I mean, this all happened. I moved into this place just months before COVID hit and um, COVID has had a huge impact on me personally and the way I'm thinking about work. Um, and I would say that I've been very fortunate in that I, you know, was not impacted um, in any severely negative ways. I didn't lose anybody. I didn't have to experience, you know, illness. Um, so I'm super grateful for that. And I think I almost hate to say it, that it was a positive experience in a way for me because it allowed me to stop simultaneously with the rest of the world and take a moment. And it wasn't easy in lots of ways, but what a unique experience. <laughs> I mean, first time in all of our lives, I would say that we all simultaneously had to stop and slow down and, um, you know, that's amazing. So I, what I discovered is that creatively, I didn't want to take photographs. I wasn't, I didn't spend COVID, you know, my work just you know, disappeared, flatlined. And I was kind of like, okay with it. I didn't want to post on social media. I didn't want to test. Um, I wasn't excited about picking up my camera, but I was super excited about other things creatively. I love to build. So I was building everything in my studio. <laughs> nice. Um, 
<clears throat> I was working on artwork. I I'm super into fly fishing, which has a whole aspect for me aesthetically as well and spiritually. And I got super into that. Um, so as much as I would love to say in this podcast that I was just like, I got into my photography, I got away from it. I really did. And, um, and it was good. And it's, you know, it's, I mean, I'm a photographer and I'll always take pictures and I'll always want to, but I, I realized that it, it wasn't this huge part of my identity that, you know, I needed to do this that there are other aspects of my creative life that I wanted to explore. And I did. And I think the fact that everybody shut down at the same time gave me permission because I struggled with a lot of guilt initially about it. Like I'm supposed to be testing. I'm supposed to be hitting this hard, you know, everybody's out there like scrambling and, you know, doing create in place and having zoom conversations. And I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> I want to go fly fishing. <laughs> I want to go fly fishing, which is what I did a lot. But, um, but I and, think that also talks to your your past, uh, the past things you pointed out, which is, you know, you've always dabbled in art outside of photography, right? Painting, drawing, yeah, creating. Yeah, yeah. And so this gave you that moment to say, wait, I, I still like all those things and I want to go do them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And also to, to examine the identity aspect of that, because as you get older and you get closer to retirement or whatever. Um, some people are just like, just very prolific and they will just, they're like, I'm a photographer and they just keep working, working, working. And I realized for me, you know, it was part of who I was, you know, it wasn't something I, I need to necessarily hang on to, you know, mm -hmm. and I want to explore it in other ways that are more personal again. So how do you think looking forward as we start to open up as a world again, how are you going to maintain kind of this duality? Um, we'll see, but I, I, I'm, I'm working uh, enough, not a lot. I never shot a lot. I was, I'm not a huge promoter. <laughs> I'm not a huge go-getter. Uh, and that was okay for me, you know, and it gave me time to do other things. And I, and I think now I'm sort of feeling like, I don't know that I want to take on any big projects so much, you know, I, I, or I feel like I'm less um, pressured <laughs> or something to feel like I need to get every job, mm. you know, like yeah. I, I just sort of like, mm, this job seems a little bit like maybe I don't want to do it so much. And Permission so to I, say no. Yeah, permission to say no or permission not to feel bad if I don't get it kind right. of thing. And and that's just purely a function of my age and where I am. You know, I'm I'm just kind of transitioning to the next phase of like, you know, do I need to do this as much anymore? So um, I'm kind of seeing where that's going, you know, and now as things are opening up, I'm working a little bit more you know, definitely estimating a lot more. Um, but I have to say, I, I was fly fishing last week and I went off the grid 
for a couple of days. I came back out and it's like, bing, 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 you know, phone going off the hook. And where were you? I'm like, I told you I was going off the grid. And I just, I was like, I kind of resent the intrusion of work, you know, after having this sort of, you know, pandemic space. Mm-hmm. So, and I realize what a luxury it is to say that, believe me, but it's just where I am in my life. So. Well, I'm really curious as someone coming up in the food photography world and just kind of getting my feet wet, like I'm not even up to my knees at this point. Mm -hmm. um, What advice do you have for for those of us that um, are still chasing the carrot? Oh, wow. I'm not a very good advice person, but I would just say um, figure out who you are, you know, like who are you? And it doesn't matter whether it's food or anything else. It's like, what's your, what's your feeling about what you're doing? You know, why are you, why are you doing it? What do you, what are you drawn to imagery wise? You know, what do you respond to and go, wow, I love that. Or, um, you know, or maybe that's not the aspect of the work that you get something out of. Maybe it's, the interaction with crews and people you know whatever it is figure it out what is what is the part of it that you love or what are the parts that you love and then just be yourself entirely in them all the time (laughs) and I love that yeah yeah yeah, because I fought against that for so long because I just didn't think that I had anything to bring like I felt like I just had to like do what everybody else was doing and I think as thing times have progressed I think <clears throat> and because there are so many photographers now so many that the more you can be true to yourself and find your own expression and the more unique it is I, I think um you know the happier you're going to be in your work because I mean, as creative people, we have an extraordinary opportunity to, to live a quality of work and life that, you know, some people don't, you know, that, you know, you just sort of out there just trying to get by and make a living and support your family, support yourself, whatever. And if you have the good fortune of being able to support yourself as a creative person, um, that, the next level <laughs> in terms of quality of life experience is to really just figure out who you are and, and do that. That's well, awesome. and I think you um, talked, you know, I think what really resonates with me in that is figuring out who you are does take time and space and sometimes mm-hmm. getting off the grid. Yes. It takes a long time. And I think you have to give yourself permission to go into the studio or whatever, wherever it is you do and forget about what you're supposed to do and what other people are doing and just start to play around, just play, you know, and don't stop yourself. Don't say, Oh, what I'm, I'm wasting time or whatever. Um, just play until you find something that you'll know, <laughs> you know, you'll know. So yeah, I think that's super important um, for any creative out there. But that I always say that, like, you can just tell, I feel like you can tell when you look at your work, I can tell, you know, that 
this is who you are. This is your passion. This is, it's, it embodies everything, you know, and I feel that way about some of the photographers on my roster too. It's so easy to tell that this is their thing, that this is what they were meant to be doing. And I think as you're, when you're young, it's really hard to know how to go with that and how to, yeah, mm-hmm. let that go and be there, but yeah, but it will make you successful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you work at it, you know, it's not like it, it, it can, it can just come for some people, you know, like right. it's so present in them that it just, it's right there, but others of us have to kind of work at it more and try to access that. And I guess the other thing I would say just in terms of advice is um, be professional, you know, I mean, be just it's a business, you know, and people hire you to do something for them that they're counting on you for and, you know, be professional, deliver and, you know, just be a good person (laughs) because those relationships go a long way. They do. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone you work with, you know, crew members and whatever. I mean, it's such a great business because there's so many great people in it and they're all creative and, um, those um, professional relationships and friendships and whatever just go towards making you better at what you do and also the better quality of life. It's fun. It's a great business, you know, it's hard, but it's a great business. Um, Really quickly before we sign off the, I saw the Mars garden project on your, on your site. Are you still working on that or is that, I haven't touched it in forever. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I'd like to, I mean, the reason I think I I put that on there to begin with was, uh, you know, I've just always had the problem of like, you know, um, really feeling like I needed to create a very commercial space as well. And then Mm -hmm. a space where it, I didn't even have to care about that stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not as good as other people are at maintaining, <laughs> you know, and, and being really good about marketing themselves and being on social media and all of that, you know, I'm just so impressed with how good some people are at that. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was really great to hear your story and get a chance to connect again. I really appreciate your yeah. time. Really great chatting with both of you. Shelly, it's so good to meet you. Yeah, I'm so honored to have met you and had this conversation. You have no idea. Oh, wow. Sweet. Well, it's lovely to talk to both of you. And um, thanks for thinking of me. Yeah. And for everyone out there, if you would like to see Sue's work, you can go to suetalon.com. And I would, is that the same for your Instagram handle, Sue? Is it just Sue Talon? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sue Talon. And then if you want to check us out, we're at focusonwomen.org. Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure to leave us a review and stay safe and keep your creative juices flowing. Bye.